Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Spark Your Fire.、Um, I'm your host, David Shi, and as always, with me today is John, John Camino. How are you, mate? Hi there, David. I'm very good. I'm very good.、Uh, yeah, sun's shining, property market's going up. Who could ask for more, right? Oh, it's just cold. I think you know. I, <laughs> I don't know、cold. why. Maybe just me, John. Maybe just me. But、um, yeah, I, I had to rug myself up the whole time for the last、yeah. couple of days. It's just been absolutely freezing in Sydney. Yeah,、um, I, yeah. Are you feeling the same, or are you actually in Sydney? <laughs> I'm in Sydney. Look, it's it's a your approach of rugging up is a healthier approach. What I do is I dress lightly and I put all the heaters on in the house, and so I just have these、uh, beetroot red cheeks,、uh, which make me look like I'm、um, I don't know an alcoholic or something like that. But、that's, I I just <laughs> but、um, yeah, that's the professional but, approach, that's John. Basically, <laughs> <laughs> that's the professional approach. Yes.、Um, But、uh, yeah, look, it's、uh, it's been it's been cold, and I think it's been it's been it's been quite cold-hearted for quite a few property investors when they heard about the decision in June that RBA has decided to raise another point two five percent. I don't know how others felt, but、uh, certainly I think there's been a lot of disappointments,、um, especially for those people who have had mortgages,、um, because you know、um, in April we've had a pause. May was already a surprise, point two five percent rise, and then we basically got a double whammy again this month in、yeah. June. So, you know, it's it's a very tricky situation to navigate at the moment. I actually do think that um, um, I don't think anyone wants to see high rate environment in honesty right now, right? But it's a necessary evil because don't forget the ultimate goal of what RBA is trying to achieve is to try to get that inflation down. Um, now, if I'm not mistaken, the goods inflation is reducing. It's going down. It's trending downwards. So that's the right path. But it's the services inflation, which is basically what the wages growth and all that kind of things. That's really what's worrying the RBA right now. So,、um, how do we get that controlled? And how easy is it to get that controlled? I don't know.、Uh, I'm not an economist,、uh, John. You have probably got much more、yeah. sense than me in that.、Um, but I think the bottom line, reading the minutes from RBA this month, which just got released, I think earlier today,、um, the high interest rate environment is going to be here to stay.、Mm. Is is the is my gut feeling? And what a change in the sentiment as well. Like we were talking about this off air as well.、Um, previously, the bank's terminal rate was expected to be around a three point six or three point eight five percent. We've already gone past that. Today, the official RBA cash rate is four point one percent. We've surpassed that, and Banks now new terminal cash rate is now expected to be around a four point three five or four point six percent. Okay, so in other words, we might still have a few more rate rises to come.、Um, so it's gonna be there's gonna be a lot of pain to be felt. Is 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 what I is what I'm anticipating. But、um, I don't know, John. What do you what do you think?、Um, do you think that is RBA a bit too aggressive on the approach here、uh, in, in terms of you know having to consecutive raise rates and You know, did they give the wrong message back in April with the pause? Because that's what's kind of like, you know, people thought that hey, there was a pause, and that was should be the end of it. We're pretty much at the end at the terminal、yeah. right now. But then they fired again, and it's a double whammy. So it's very mixed messages. I don't know how you look at this, John. Yeah.、Uh... Couple of, couple of things in there. Whether they made a mistake in 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 April and so on、uh, by pausing.、Um, the f- the first thing is I think that. I think that central banks are often trying to manage the currency、mm-hmm. as much as they're trying to manage 
inflation, although they're largely the same thing, the weakness of your currency and inflation. So, so if the Fed puts up rates, they have to put uh, the RBA has to put up rates as well. Mm. Uh, otherwise, then you're you're going to have a a weakening Australian dollar. And so, I think that there's a lot of currency management um, masquerading as inflation management or masquerading as managing the growth in the economy. Really, they're kind of just managing parity with the um, uh, in the currency markets. Um, when I, uh, they put interest rates up in June and in May again, both of them were moderate surprises, I think, as you, as you correctly mentioned. Uh, and I think that there is, I think that I, they're managing the currency, but also I think that they're trying to put out a, um, a fairly sort of strong, hairy-chested uh, message to the market that we're going to do what it takes. Uh, we're going to do what it takes. And if you think we're done, think again. So I think that there's a bit of bit of that. Uh, I Whether they made a mistake pausing in April, I don't think they did. I actually think that the rate rises are the right thing to do, except they've done them too quickly. Mm. So I would have preferred a bit more intermittent pausing. So I would have preferred some rate rises, a, a pause. It's like having a, a big meal. Uh, you know, I think you should pause before you go back up to the buffet table again. And and I think that, and I think that, that this is all going to backfire at some stage. Maybe it's 2024, but the rate rises have been too quick. So the pause in April, I think, was actually a, a good thing. It, it, it depends on what wording you accompany it with. It's, if they said, look, we're going to continue raising rates, but we're just pausing so that we can get used to the, the new environment, that's probably the right thing to do. But I don't think the wording is ever that crisp, really. No. And, and look, that's probably one of the key aspects uh, with the new reform on what uh, what the RBA borders will be, um, is talking about having that uh, debrief straight after the interest rate decision, right? Because, you know, you, you got to have the RBA governor facing the crowd or explaining the rationale behind the decision, just like what the Fed does. To a degree, yeah. right? They always have that explanation. So the communication can be done in a much timely fashion, and there will be a lot more clarity in terms of why that decision is made as well. Yeah. So um yeah, I, I think a lot of it comes down to communication, unfortunately, at the end of the at the end of the day, whether it was setting the expectation that interest rates not going to rise until 2024, and then straight away there's 12 interest rate rises. We're not even 2024 yet. Yeah. So um the yeah. RBA, the RBA is just playing follow the leader, though. They've got to do what the ECB, the Fed, and um, the Bank of Japan do. I mean, they, they, that's what they have to do. So, uh, th this is why there weren't so many rate increases in 2018, mm. um, even though lending dried up. Um, it, it was because they were following the Fed, and the Fed put rate were putting rates up back then, but they weren't putting them up meaningfully. So, what ha had to happen then is, instead of rates going up, the regulators, APRA, had to come in and and choke off lending, but we're just going to play follow the leader unless we want our the Aussie dollar to go under fifty cents or forty cents or whatever it is. That that that's what's happening. It's it's currency management. So if I'm not mistaken, I think Fed has paused this month from memory. Um, yeah, I think they. Did. Uh, yes, they did. They yes, did. they did. Okay, yeah. okay, but they're still that's about good. a percentage or more higher than where we mm -hmm. stand at the moment, right? Yeah. Okay. I, I saw a very interesting statistic, and I can't remember where it was, but it was it was a bar chart of all the major economies. It had the UK, you know, I think there were a couple of European company, uh, countries in there, um, US, 
some major Japan, uh, uh, Asian countries as well. And it was the impact on serviceability of higher interest rates. Mm-hmm. And Australia was right up the top. So the impact of higher rates is really affecting mortgage borrowers in Australia. There's a lot of private debt. There's a lot of mortgage holders and so on. And the the impact on the US mortgage holders was right down the bottom. It had barely increased despite all the interest rate increases. And the reason for that is US consumers have access to 30-year fixed loans. So they can raise rates as until the cows come home. Most people fix their rates in over the last couple of years in the US. And so um and so the US has a lot more room to maneuver before it really starts to impact impact average residential uh property investors. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, no, you're absolutely spot on, mate. I think it's uh, that's one of the key differences. Uh, you know, they I can't even imagine a 30-year fixed rate loan, to be honest. Um, I mean, we're struggling to even get four or five years, like you know, at that that kind of low rates at that point in time. But uh, yeah, we have a lot more people on variable rates, and that's how just traditionally how Australian banking system works, right? Yeah. Most most mortgages will be on variable rates, and therefore we are more prone to changes and fluctuations of cash rate in this instance. Mm-hmm. Um but look, John, let's that's, that's, that's step back a little bit. When is RBA... Okay, so let, let me ask this question then. Um, I think I think everyone pretty much agrees that there could be a couple more rate rises to come. But even then, that doesn't really warrant a it, the inflation going down. Okay, so like, you know, the, the, the interesting part is if they keep on increasing rates something will probably break at some point in time. Mm. I don't know what it is, but I felt like a bit like US scenario where the signature bank and, um, you know, that they, they've gone under, right? That's essentially, yes, you know, it causes a bit of panic in the US market back at that time, but yeah. Fed continued on, essentially. They, they, they obviously continue on their path. Do you think by going down with a few more rate rises, is something going to have to break or something needs to be broken before RBA is going to say that's enough. We're going to have to stop. Yeah, yeah, that's yes. I think their their goal is to some degree demand destruction. So they're mm. going to raise rates until uh, all of the currency units are being pulled away from discretionary spending, and that hasn't happened yet. Um, but I think that they do do it until something breaks. One thing to note that the inflation rate is coming down very, very quickly. So the last two inflation reads are out of the US. So inflation is now 4%, but they were expecting it to be about 4.2, I think, or 4.3%. So the last two prints, inflation has come in lower than expected. The next time it gets reported, it'll be under 4%. It'll be three, three point something. Now they want to get it to 2%, but we're getting there very quickly. So they either wait for an event, another signature bank or something bigger than that, obviously, Um, a a big corporate failure, or they stop when we get to 2%, which is probably not that far away, although it'd be more than a year. Uh, Now, to speculate what might break is perhaps a little bit more interesting because any all economists are saying, oh, as a, you know, I think you know, uh, J.P. Morgan and all the the big uh, U.S. banks are saying that the chances of a recession in the second half of the year are like a hundred percent. So, what does that mean? And so, and what do they think is going to break? And 
the the not so subtle or not so secret view of a lot of these economists is that the straw that breaks the camel's bank is commercial real estate. Uh, and that ties into the the cost of holding commercial real estate mm-hmm. is going up big, big, like everything uh, via the interest rates. The values are coming down, but it's tied into working from home. So all of these big office blocks in New York City, Sydney, LA, London, they're empty or they're at least half full and repurposing them to residential. You've got to redo the plumbing and all that. It's very expensive. So, um, so not all aspects of commercial real estate are in trouble. Warehousing, for example, is fine, but office space is potentially a, a massive problem. And when all when all of these leases start to come up, and you can't find tenants, or you can find tenants, but they only want twenty five percent of the space because everyone works from home now. Yeah, commercial real estate is the, the the thing to look at. Okay, now that's an interesting thought. Um... I mean, just, I guess, keeping in mind that uh, a lot of employers are asking employees to come back to work full-time, and that's why I think we're starting to see, especially the rental surges around the inner CBD areas or closer to CBD, whereas the the rents are starting to drop um, towards the regional areas because, you know, less employees are able to have luxury to be able Mm. to work from home as much as they want as previously. Um, So. Um, I, I do agree. Yes, there will be. Obviously, not everyone's going to come back to work in the office full time like yeah. pre-COVID. Uh, but to the extent of how much is going to damage the office spaces or the commercial property area, we'll have to. We'll, we'll see what the what the data tells us moving forward. Yeah. But um, yeah, I do agree with you. I think I don't know what it is, but I, I do. My gut feeling is something's going to have to break pretty significantly in order for RBA mm-hmm. to kind of put the stop. Um, they are on a very aggressive part at the moment. Um, all, all, all basically, like I said, the signal is we'll do everything to get inflation down to the two to three percent range in twenty by twenty twenty five. Basically, yeah. so that's the that's yeah. the trajectory. Mm. I re- yeah, just to sort of put a ribbon on this as well. I I don't think this is the nineteen seventies, early nineteen eighties, and I think it, you know there's a there's a sense that. Every time you get inflation, it must be the 70s again, stagflation. And I, this is not what's happening. I think that inflation will come down very, very quickly in a way that it didn't in the 70s and 80s. And the reason for that is mainly demographic. So you had all of the baby boomers hitting 30 in, in the late 70s, right? So that's peak family formation. That's peak buying a house. Everyone got married younger then and all that sort of stuff. The, um, the, the, uh, the baby boomers are like this... Uh, bowling ball moving through a hose and they hit peak consumption peak earning in the 70s and 80s right um mm-hmm. so that's not what's happening we in fact we've got the opposite problem we don't have enough workers we've got a lot of retirees uh and all those sorts of so i don't think at all this is um the 1970s Grant Cardone, the uh, the famous uh, and sometimes obnoxious uh, property uh, guru in the US, is very interesting to listen to, actually, and he gets a lot of things right. He says that in in six to 12 months, we'll be begging for inflation. So we're going to go into deflation, basically. Yeah, that, that's that's mm. that's what he's saying, that they've it's gone they've too far, too hard, and, and we don't have the demographics to carry kind of higher spending and, mm. and those other uh, things that, that push prices up. So that's one way to look at it. Okay. All right. Well, uh, I guess we'll find out in the uh, in the next quarter's information data coming out. Um, 
and whether RB, uh, whether um, whether Australia is going to follow the path of uh, New Zealand going into a technical recession, yeah. which I think they they just did, and just gone into a technical recession with two yeah. negative GDPs uh, across two quarters. Uh, we will have to see. Uh, yeah, it is a narrow path, as they say. It's a very narrow path to be uh, to be walking on. You need to be treaded very carefully. Yeah. But having said that, house prices are still a bit of a concern at the moment. I think it's also being mentioned in the minutes as well. The property prices, especially in the last month or two, has been trending very, very strongly. We're looking at a, an average capital worth of what uh, across all the capitals around one percent. Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, in particular, have been have been performing really, really stellar. You know, we're looking at even closer to two percent in some of those mm. instances. Um, but yeah, like. You know the the. Do you think this trend is going to continue though, John? What do you what do you reckon? Like knowing, so look, every month when the rate keeps on going up, you know that that always gives us a bit more, I guess, you know, a a, a bit more reason to look at what we think and and how this market is going to be looking. And perhaps you can share with us in terms of what you're currently seeing and feeling on the ground. Like you know, are you seeing a slowdown in terms of buyer offers? Are they getting a bit more hesitant? Because of the latest increase in June rate rise, or are they still going all all, all in at the moment? Say, if I want a property, I want a property. What do you think? Yep. So, two questions: Why is it why is it rising? That sort of thing, and then what yep. am I seeing on the ground? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I think that I think that what we've seen since two thousand and eight, maybe since two thousand, is just a series of V shape. So, a lot of volatility in the um, in the property market because. I think interest rates adjust more quickly with the, the, you know active as central banking I would call it. So we've got these V-shaped recover uh, V-shaped recovery. So 2018 the market goes down 15% and then mm. goes back up into 2019 and 2020 and you just have these rolling V-shaped recoveries but it actually just the trend line is probably the same as it's always been you know we're getting 6 or 7% capital growth over time you just got to uh, ride out the the decline. Um, but nothing new there, basically. Yeah, let's say in a year we're back at the peaks we saw in twenty twenty one. Let's say, let's say, so early next year or mid next year, we're back at back at those levels. We will also, ha- but there'll be a difference. We will be in a, an economy where prices are the same, but rents are now let's say twenty five percent higher than they mm. were back mm-hmm. in twenty twenty one. So I think a couple of things have changed. One is that real estate did get quite cheap. Uh, it got cheap in relation to rents. So rents have gone up much higher. And I think that because of all sorts of supply chain issues, it's hard to build new properties when you, you've got like high inflation and uh, and the cost of uh, building has gone up. So I, I just think, I think it's a very good time to be in real estate, actually. Mm-hmm. I, I can really see like a, a it's it's a bit sort of clogged up at the moment. There's not enough properties. There's nothing coming on the market. There's a, a lot of reasons not to develop or build, or because that that's all a bit difficult. And then you've got people flooding into the country. So that I think that that equation is is occurring to people now in terms of what I'm seeing. Um, I'm seeing things move a lot more quickly. Uh, vendor expectations are quite low still, and that's starting to change. So vendors are putting their properties on the market. They're a bit pessimistic, uh, but they're looking at the sales around them during the sales campaign and realizing that maybe their expectations should be a bit higher. Mm -hmm. But one thing that's really clear is that uh, fixer-uppers are are not 
in demand. Fixer uppers are materially and significantly priced below everything else in the market. And what one thing that's interesting is in, there are some boom markets where people love fixer up and fixer uppers are, are selling at the same prices as, you know, uh, renovated properties. Uh, that is not the case now. I think that was the case about two years ago yeah, when everyone's yeah. gone into that FOMO mode, right? Even the yeah. fixer uppers are are going at crazy prices or flying yeah. out the door at crazy prices. Um, but yeah, no, that, that is, that is interesting uh, in terms of what you're seeing. Uh, uh, is the is the differences in terms of that vendor expectation in the housing in the houses market or the unit market? Do you reckon? I mean, I'm I'm in the housing market more than, market, than, yeah. than the unit market, but I assume that the expectations are, are similar. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's uh, definitely I think something that um, to watch out for, but. Yeah, I, I do. I I think I'm, I'm in agreement with you in terms of the days on market is definitely dropping. You know, the the, the properties are, are being are selling at a faster rate at the moment. Um, depending on where you're looking at, I guess you know, and we and we look at different areas in, in Sydney as well. Um, but I think the inner the inner west and you know anything within like a 15 kilometer radius yeah. is still very much in demand right now. Um, therefore, pushing that prices up. And don't forget, you know, in terms of the number of stock, we're currently trending about. 27, 28% below than what we had previously. Um, yeah. So, you know, that's, that's, where's the demand? I think the demand is still close to the five year average at the moment. So, in other words, your demand is pretty much on average, but the, but the yeah. stock is, is about 20% or even close to 30% short. Mm. So, naturally, there will be a lot more competition going on. Yeah. Um, and we're currently in winter. So, it's a quiet period as well. So, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't quite help. What one thing actually that, I, I get wrong. I think a lot of people get wrong is uh, it feels like um, a boom time in the real estate market frequently. Uh, so 2021, a big bubble. I don't think it was a big bubble in 2021. The the I think the way you can distinguish from the big 2008 bubbles mm. versus the the smaller bull markets in real estate is the big the big like once in a 20 or 30 year bubbles, the t- 2007 2008 bubbles they're always accompanied by an explosion in supply. Mm. So supply levels are very high. What we have now is is not a booming real estate market. Supply levels are very, very low. So I think always be sort of conscious of like what type of rising market are we in? But because the, the period leading up to 2008 is a period of excess supply going at very high prices, whereas now we have very low. We don't have very high demand. It's just that there's nothing to buy. There's nothing to buy. I think that's what's really been driving the outputs pressure at the moment. Um, yeah. It's because of that competition, right? Mm-hmm. As soon as there's more sp- supply coming in, which you know we we also talked about this whether whether we think that there's going to be more supply coming in later on this year or early next year, was as more fixed rate, more um, you know people coming off the fixed rate mortgages. Would there be more sellers coming in, which means potentially a bit more supply in that sense from the stock perspective? Mm. Um, That could have an impact and weighing in into how the second half of this year is going to pan out Mm. later on. So actually speaking of that, John, what do you think? Do you reckon there will be be more stocks coming up later this year because people rolling off fixed rate mortgages will look at, oh, it's going to now cost me another $1,000 to $2,000 to hold on to this property. I'm not going to do that. I'm already struggling, you know, with all the rising costs of everything. I'm just going to going to put that into the market. 
So do you think that's going to be the case where we're going to see an increase in terms of the supply numbers? Uh, no. No? no. So my, okay. de- my, my default answer to anything uh, involving the word cliff is that I don't believe it. Uh, and I know that's not science. It's just, uh, 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 what do they call it? I'm skeptical. Um, I don't think so. I think for a couple of reasons. Actually, these cliffs don't all happen on the one day or in the one month. Mm-hmm. These mortgage cliffs actually transpire over a couple of years. So some people, I mean, it is going to be more heavily skewed to late this year, early next year. But how much debt do most people have? I think most people have one house. I think those people are going to struggle if they bought in the last couple of years. So mm-hmm. I don't think that there won't be any pain. But do I think that they're going to therefore sell their property? No, I think a small proportion will do that. Uh, so no, I don't. I don't. I don't think so. I think this is a fallacy that a lot of people are assuming that there'll just be this uh, flood of distressed properties on the market. That that, that I don't think will happen. Okay. I'm probably going to hold it in a different view to you this time, John. I, <laughs> yeah, mean, I yeah, think yeah. it's good. It's good to have a different view, I think, yeah. to a to a degree. Of course. Uh, I don't think there will be a flood. Look, I don't think there will be a flood of properties coming on, but there will certainly be a bit more stock than what mm. we're seeing right now. I think maybe if I rephrase it that way. So we're not going to see distressed properties upright at the center, right? Mm. There's just going to be more people um who and depends on how deep the pockets are, uh, which we're seeing, I think, based on the latest numbers the savings people are already dipping into their savings at the moment how yeah. long can they hold on to it how quickly can the rates go you know go down potentially in 20 is it going to go down 2024 if it's going if it's not going to go down until end of 2024 i think a lot of people are going to be are going to be have to force sell mm-hmm. now that's when the disaster is really going to happen but if this high rate environment is only going to be temporary then no we're only going to see a, a probably a little short uptick of the supplies as we get into move into the spring season um, and then hopefully move into more of an equilibrium side of market where the where the supply and the demand kind of kind of meets in the middle. Right? Yeah. Um, so I think there's a lot of there is a lot of um, a lot of uh, parameters at play or variables at play here. Um, but if I if I put my conservative or a bit of a pessimism type of hat on, um, in the worst case that RBA cannot get the inflation under control quickly, which we have seen. At the moment, it's you know like your your assumption plays on the bet that at the moment it, it's going down very very quickly, and you know it, it is probably right. But in the worst case, that if they can't get services inflation under control in the period they want it to, which means inflation stays sticky, which means the high interest rate environment is going to remain as is, and we might be looking at another 05 percent. So we're looking at four point six percent cash rate potentially for one year, for one year. How much mm-hmm. damage is that going to cause to the households? Um, and look, I, I do agree with you. Only one third of the Australian properties have a mortgage, so it might not yes. translate to that yes. much. Yeah, or mm. even, yeah, yeah. So it might not translate to that much of a damage. But you know, in comparison to, I guess you know, not everyone have to sell, but there will still be a bit more property or investors who acquired a lot of properties, including you and me, to a degree. We are probably the one that gets impacted the most every time when the rate goes up, especially when you're on variable rate mortgages. We might look at to say it's gonna like I mentioned before, it's gonna cost me this much to hold on to this property. Um, and that's a and that's a significant jump. You're talking about a two percent to a potentially a six percent. Mm. It's a great time to be selling because I'm still gonna be able to take some profit out of it. Why yeah. not? Yeah. So 
you know, it's going to add, I mean, my, my view is it's going to add to the stock available. It's not yeah. going to be a flood of it, um, assuming that, you know, inflation is under control. However, if this high interest rate environment is going to pertain and persist for over a year, we will probably see a lot more distressed properties coming up. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll have, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, yeah. I don't think investors, hmm. I'm just trying to lay a rent the rental market into this equation because yes. you can make if you're in distress you can make a cash flow a property cash flow quite easily in this in this market. So I'm just thinking if you're like an owner occupier, do you pop a tenant in there and you hang on to the property? I think that in a in a high rental uh, environment you can you can make things work. But mm. I'm definitely open to the thesis. Like I hear I understand what you're saying with. Um, with the distress creeping in once the uh, the, the the lower fixed term mortgages come off, and I think would 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 just have to see. I think we'd just have to see. Yeah, and, and 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 I'm also thinking along the line of you know like people thinking that yes they can increase the rent to cover for the mortgages, but the reality is the mortgages has gone up so much more yeah. than what the rent has gone up. So the net return on the property at the moment is actually very poor. Very, very poor for yes. residential properties. Okay, yes. for residential properties. So that's one thing that people have to keep in mind when they go. I'm, you know, it's going to be another five hundred bucks per, per per month, like potentially to hold onto this property, or even more. Right. That's when they obviously think about that. So, um, yeah, yeah. Anyway, well, uh, I think we will we will keep that view open, and then we'll see what uh, what it, what it, how it turns out. Hopefully, there's no massive distress sellings as uh, as as what we all yeah. anticipating. We don't think that's going to be happening. But um, yeah, I mean, speaking of selling conditions, it's actually not a bad timing to be selling at the moment, isn't it, John? Well, there's no competition. I mean, everything that comes onto the market, it's like throwing a chip at uh, at Bondi Beach, right? All the seagulls. There's, there's not a lot out there. I mean, d- underlying demand is is down compared to last year but supply is even lower so yeah uh, but the but what what the supply the low supply is telling us currently at least and these things change is that there isn't any distress or there isn't much distress so mm. you know but but things change um is it a good time to sell i don't know yeah yeah you don't get commission you know, by selling I mean, you get commission for buying <laughs> yeah i must confess i must oh, yeah that's right i asking asking a buyer's agent if it's a time to buy or sell or but i mean my view is um the, the the timing decision. I'm like I'm terrible at timing. I don't even like the the question in a sense. I know we've chatted about this, and I, I think you feel the same way. It's like, okay, so now's not the right time. So what do you do? Uh, I'm I'm going to wait and you know I'm going to remain homeless until the right time to buy. I mean, what you do is you buy when the bank sees you in the most favorable light. That's the right time to buy, and you don't know when that's going to be, other than probably right now. But it's really because because there's so much debt involved in real estate and because the bank is only interested in you for 30 years. Once you get into your sort of 40s and 50s, the bank's not really that interested in you anymore. So whether you like it or not, you, you have to start getting involved in real estate in your 20s and 30s and to a lesser extent, extent your 40s. So mm. you buy when the bank likes you the most and the the, the prevailing market conditions may not um, cooperate with you, but but that's, I mean, essentially it's a game of finance. Right. Um, that's what. That's I know. What, what do you moving. think of that? Um, as in, in terms of uh, buying timing of the yeah, buying like timing the buying with your own finance rather than the market. Oh, look, I, I totally agree. I think it just comes down to basically um, when you're able to purchase uh, rather than looking at 
when it's the right time to purchase, yeah. basically. Um, yeah, yeah. So that that principle, I absolutely agree. Um, but do you think it's um, you know how how do how do first time investors looking at getting into the market at the moment? As you know, it's a very difficult situation to be getting in right now. You know, you got very little stock. You got a lot of competition. You got finance. You know, you got all these high interest rates at the moment, which there's a lot of headwinds to go against. Mm. Give us a few tips in terms of uh, you know how the first home, first time investors or first home buyers wanting to get into the market. What can they do to uh, to try to help them? I'll give you. Two, I mean, I will throw it back to you uh, from because I think in terms of finance, that's a big component of, of sure. what you're able to do. Mm-hmm. But I'd, I'd say a couple of things. Firstly, just be realistic with your budget. Mm. Um, I would say prioritize a good location over a house. I think one thing that people get uh, they they cling on to wanting a house. I think it. I think there are if if you're savvy, there are there are really good apartments in great areas. I think so. Don't be don't be scared of buying an apartment in a good area rather than a house in a in a, in a less desirable area. Mm. Uh, but I think that 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 trade off of land versus proximity, I think, is the, the thing that you have to answer. And I would say, as someone who's bought um, quite a lot of property, but also um, units and units closer in and houses further out. I'd say the units close in are really good investments, really good investments. So there's nothing wrong with buying something uh, a little bit closer, but that maybe is not the family house. Uh, I'd also say start as early as you can. The conditions are never going to be right. Um, but but yeah, I, th- those sort of three things are what I would say. Good tips, I think. Um, yeah, look, I'll, I'll probably add on to that. Um Obviously, from finance perspective, make sure you've got your finance sorted, you know, pre-approvals and that kind of things. And um, look, the banks are still in the game of lending at the moment. Obviously, they are. That's how they make their money. So ultimately, they still want to lend. Although what I'm seeing now is they want to make sure, um, you know, they, they don't want high-risk lending in the current environment. That's what they penalize on. So anything that's like, you know, don't even think about six times DTI, right? Like you, we're not even looking at anywhere close to six times debt to income ratio. So that's way behind us now. Um, but anything over 80% LVR is is probably being looked at a lot less favorable at the moment. And you're likely to get a lot more declines if if um, if the, you're not careful. Um, low LVR, so the ones that people who can come in with more than 20% deposit is, is being looked at favorably. Um, stable employment, that kind of stuff, you know, generally speaking. So, you know, it all it all circles back to, I guess, you know, we only have limited working life, as John, you mentioned yeah. before. So, you know, get in when you can or not, uh, not, not based on do you think it's a good time or not to buy uh, in that instance. So, uh, but look, I think one thing that we do defer just to make it a bit more controversial, John, yeah, let's do is... Even though we didn't talk about timing, I did ask you the question. Do you think? Do you think that right now would still be a good time to enter? Oh, yeah. um, I'll explain my view. Uh, I think, like I mentioned, I think that ties back a little bit in terms of what I was saying previously. There would probably be a bit more stock available towards later or the second part of this year. If you are interested in getting to the market right now, is a good time to get your finance ready. Okay, so you can actually be ready for the opportunity. Um, but because the level of stock is still very, very low. So what you might see is, you know, the 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 
first of all, the days on market is going to be very short. So you might not be able to see the property for the second time after the mm. first inspection, depending on how the competition weighs out. Second thing, the sold price might be a lot higher than what you would expect. And you go, I'm not going to be paying for that kind of price in today's market. So, And that's all because of the fact there is very little to no stock mm. at the moment. When the stock level hopefully eases a bit more towards the end of the year, there will be a bit more opportunity for you to be able to get yourself ready. And you know, if you are ready from a finance perspective and obviously engage a good professional, uh, professional like for example, John, to uh, to help you with your first property or investment property, you'll be on a roll. Like when the opportunity pound comes up, mm. you can just pounce on it. That's kind of how you win in a market like this. You know, a good opportunity is you, you only got that short window that you can get it. If you miss that window, it's going to be gone uh, essentially. So yeah. Uh, so that's that's my that's my two cents. And look, I'll, I'll hand it over to you John. I think you got the opposite you got the opposing view here to me. Um what do you think? So I, I think that there will be more stock in spring, but that's okay. seasonal and that will that seasonal, will definitely yep. happen. The question is is there more stock this spring compared to last spring or okay. the spring before. And I think that we're going to be, and I, I, I think that, no, I don't think there will be, I think we'll be in very tight supply. Very tight supply. Uh, on. Okay. In spring. Uh, Cause I think you have to compare spring to spring. Sure. Uh, not spring to winter. So um, yes, there'll be more, there'll be more available. Tom Panos, uh, his weekly wrap, which is definitely worth looking out for every Saturday afternoon. He goes through yep. how many how many properties sold, uh, and, all that. and, so, mm. and he's a, he's just a guru anyway. Um, he said uh, that the question he gets asked the most. This is on Saturday. The question he gets asked the most is is now the right time to buy, which is essentially what we're yes. talking about now. And um, and he said his conclusion was you should wait a, a month or two. Now my view is that. That assumes clairvoyance mm-hmm. that no one has, the, like an ability to see in, into the future that that's not possible. So I don't agree with the wait, but I never agree with the let's wait because I think that it's it's sort of um, procrastination masquerading as market analysis. I think you, you should just buy when you buy now, buy now, yeah. and yeah. if you if you screw up, you screw up. <laughs> but just but buy now and and worry about the deal. Don't worry about the timing. Uh, maybe if I doesn't worry about the timing. Maybe if I add to that, buy now, but have a long-term hold view, then yeah. you can't go wrong, basically. So I would and one little footnote. Um buy now, have a long-term view and pay off principle. So <laughs> so if you're, de- if you're deleveraging, you you're de-risking yourself. So if you're paying off debt, that's the best way to 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 de-risk. Hmm. Hmm. Absolutely, I think John, you are in some sense you're you're a lot more conservative than me to a degree. Yeah. <laughs> my my philosophy is always let the time do the do the payoff because of yeah. the, um, you know, the the inflation side of things. But uh, I look, I I I, t- I tend to err on this on the same side. I said yes, you're probably right. Having a double double safety measure is <laughs> never a bad thing. So, all right, John, I think that's pretty much it. Anything yeah, else you want to cover? We covered loads. No, nothing, ah, nothing bad. Okay. Ah, nice chat as always. Uh, and uh, thanks for joining me again. And uh, listeners, thank you all for joining us again for another week. And um, look, uh, we'll we'll bring you uh, a few bit more updates in about two weeks' time uh, where we will have the fresh data coming out for July. Um, let's see whether the property pace is still continuing on the trend as we are at the moment. Otherwise, uh, what we discussed today is general in nature. Again, if you are looking to uh, do anything, please do check with your specific advisors. Um, 
And until then, we will see you guys again in another episode of Spark Your Fire. Cheers, John and David. Bye.